Requesting connection. Established. Encrypted. We're live. The show you've been asking for. Advice, technology, and community. Linux first, all others second. This is Ask Noah. Live from Multispeed Technology is the show that puts you, the listener, in the driver's seat because you are the content. The phone lines are open to be a part of the program. It's a free call. 1-855-450-NOAA. It's 1-855-450-6624. Give me a call. We'll have a conversation about your tech questions or business and tech questions. Linux advocate, above all else, small business owner, now host of the only radio show centered around you, the listener. Welcome to the Ask Noah Show. My name is Noah Chalai. So I am back in Grand Forks, guys, and delighted to be here with you. Uh, I had an amazing time at the Ubuntu Sprint. I had a had a chance to catch up with the fine folks at Canonical, people like Martin Wimpers, people like Ellen Pope. Had a chance to hang out with Chris and catch up with him. And uh, we spent, I, I would say, you know, the purpose of the trip, I guess, the stated purpose of the trip was the Ubuntu Sprint. But in in all reality, what ended up happening was, you know, as we usually do, we got sidetracked with a bunch of projects and wound up getting a lot of stuff done. And uh, and and a lot of that were problems at the studio, just production things, things that they're not show-stopping problems, but they're just things that, that were making Chris's life difficult at the studio. And, and so you get... You get two brains. Sometimes just having somebody else to sit in the room with you and kind of talk through some possible solutions to you know various problems that's helpful. And while we were solving some of those problems, Chris pitched an idea that has turned my Linux life upside down for the past week. So basically, we were sitting there, and he had this crazy idea to install KDE Neon. Now, if you're not familiar with what KDE Neon is, it I would classify it as a distro, but a lot of people will tell you it's not a distro. KDE Neon is a a, a distro. Again, it's I would say it's a distro, but it's basically a collection of software that is specifically designed to exemplify the KDE desktop. So it's an Ubuntu base with the KDE desktop, but nothing else. There's no real theming that has been done to it. There is no, re- other than what comes default with KDE Neon, there is nothing that no software so you don't get any of the office suite you don't get the gimp you i think it does come with firefox but all of that is left for the user to put on because the idea is to experience raw kde plasma and after watching him set this up on two or three machines i eventually decided i liked it enough that i was going to give it a shot now i have played with kde neon before um i've played with kde for years Back uh, even early in my Red Hat days, one of the first decisions with Linux I ever made was if I was going to use KDE or GNOME. Um, and of course, anytime I tried or played with or reviewed OpenSUSE for the Linux Action Show or anything like that, I used uh, KDE. And I, I and and a good friend of mine and producer of the show, and he's going to be joining us here later in the episode, Michael Tunnell, has been saying since day one of Canonical releasing. Uh, the news that they were going to transition into GNOME as the default desktop for Ubuntu. He's been saying, you guys really should maybe take another look at, at KDE Plasma. And I set it up on that. Uh, I have a bench machine, things that I test distros out on, things that I test software on, and uh, it's where projects come to live and then die. But very soon after I had Plasma loaded on that machine, it became obvious to me that I was going to have to go load it onto some other machines. And so it eventually made its way over to my work desktop then my primary laptop. And it took me four days to do this, but it actually has replaced Fedora on my big main workstation in my basement. And that's a feat because only two other operating systems have ever existed on the computer. One was Arch for a little bit, and one was the LTS of Ubuntu. And if I'm being perfectly honest with myself and everyone in the audience, then probably what's going to happen with that machine is even if I decide to stick with KDE, I'm probably going to go back to Fedora and it'll just be Fedora with KDE on it. Uh, but for now, it has KDE Neon. And I, I don't know what to say, guys. I love it. I mean, I really love it. I haven't been this excited to sit down at a computer in years. And there are things that I never even really noticed that bothered me. And now that they are fixed, it 
it's like this huge weight that's been lifted off my shoulders. And I feel like I'm this kid with a new toy. Now, some of you are saying, Noah, why not? Why with a 1804 just around the corner and shipping with Gnome, would you decide to dive so deeply into plasma? And to answer that question, I think that we have to have a short discussion on the current state of Gnome. The Gnome shell process runs on a single processor thread. Mutter, which is the window manager, runs in that same single thread. The Gnome shell process uses the libmutter library to decorate the windows and also has a JavaScript interpreter. And all of that also runs in the same single thread. So unsurprisingly, when you put any amount of strain on the system, like say four or five Chrome tabs, or let's say you decide to play a video and surf the web, that single thread, the one with GNOME shell process and libmutter and all of your extensions crashes. Now, depending on what display server you're using depends on how se severe that crash is. Under X, it's bad because, well, the display server's crashed. That's never a good thing, but you don't really notice it. You see the display server just kind of bounce back, it pops, and then you go right back to work because all of your applications are still there and you haven't had to re-log in. N nothing like that has happened. Now, under Wayland, it's a different story. Under Wayland, when that single processor thread crashes, everything you were working on, even if you're like me and you have a goldfish memory and you were trying to brain dump into Sublime Text, and you had a great idea that your boss just gave you and you tried three different times and your GNOME desktop crashed three different times and all you were doing was running one single program along with your extensions, you lose it. And it gets even worse because under Wayland, it's also running your input devices. When you start to tax that single thread, your input devices lag, if not cut out and completely. And the simplest way that, because I've been experimenting with this over the last couple of days, and the simplest way that I found that you can exemplify this is to open up VLC and inside of the settings, set VLC to play a video using OpenGL, then start a video. And while that video is playing, just click on any of your extensions or click on the clock or click, just click on something in the shell and you'll watch the video stutter. And, and then to add to that, unsurprisingly, if you have animations enabled, then these issues are even more obvious. And I guess the conclusion I came to and what really was troubled me to begin with, if I'm being honest with you and if I'm being honest with myself, is that's just not an acceptable way to run a desktop operating system. Now, you can mitigate these issues by limiting how hard you're driving that process, that single thread process, but without... Basic window functionality, like the ability to minimize and maximize a window without the ability to close programs like Telegram and Slack and Discord, because there are no icons unless you install an extension like Top Icons Plus, there really is no way to use GNOME functionally without extensions. Ubuntu.com headline, Bionic Beaver 1804 LTS to ship with XOR by default. Bionic Beaver, the code name for the next Ubuntu LTS release, is due in April of 2018 and will ship with both the traditional XORG graphics stack as well as the newer Wayland-based graphics stack, but XORG will be the default. The 1710 release on October 2017 ships with Wayland-based graphics server as the default, and XORG-based equivalent is available from the option in the login screen. When we started using the GNOME shell route for 1710, Artful Aardvark, we knew that it needed to have Wayland by default. Otherwise, we wouldn't know if it would work well for our users in the LTS only six months later. The LTS is supported for five years, meaning that we need to be certain what goes out the door on release day will be maintainable and sustainable for the duration that it will serve all of our users and customer needs, which is no easy feat. As we are roughly halfway through the Bionic development cycle, the time was right for us to review the decision and make a call as to whether or not we should ship Wayland as the default display server for Bionic. We have decided that we will ship XORG by default and that Wayland will be an optional session available from the logon screen. Why opt for XORG by default? There are several reasons. Screen sharing software like WebRTC services, Google Hangouts, Skype, etc. work well under XORG. The remote... <laughs> the remote... Desktop controls such as RDP, VNC, and Simple Help works well under XORG as well. Recoverability from shell crashes is less dramatic under XORG. Now, the first, this is the article says, the first two closely linked Wayland and GNOME shell have a good plan in Pipewire and a Wayland protocol to provide screen sharing services. This will take some more time to develop 
and there will be some lag while applica application developers include support in their services. Until that happens, Xorg is necessary for people who need screen sharing services. If you don't need screen, screen sharing services and prefer a more secure environment, then Wayland Session is available for you pre-installed. The third point, though, is about what happens when things go wrong. The architecture of GNOME Shell and Butter is such that a GNOME Shell crash will end your whole session, killing running applications and returning you to the login screen. When using Xorg, the shell can restart independently of the display server and running applications. This means that once the shell is restarted, you can pretty much pick up where your session left off with your application still running. There are two solutions to this problem. When using Wayland, make sure the shell doesn't crash or change the architecture. Both of these solutions are a work in progress and we continue to contribute to this work upstream. GNOME Shell 4 will bring the new architecture where there will be more flexibility in components restarting without affecting other components. But in short, we remain committed to GNOME and the GNOME stack and will continue to actively contribute to Wayland and adding features and fixing bugs. Okay, so what, we t what I took away from that article is that it's tolerable. There, the, the canonical's position is that it is tolerable under Xorg and GNOME Shell. And GNOME, sh or GNOME Shell 3, excuse me, GNOME Shell 4 will have a new architecture where all of this stuff is going to be fixed. Um, and so, then the next question is, how long are we going to have to wait before GNOME Shell 4 comes out? Well, it turns out that you're going to be in for somewhat of a wait. I found a wiki that exists from GNOME.org and about GNOME Shell 4 and its initiative from one guy where he has some suggestions for a new architecture. However, I cannot find a single reference to a single line of code written anywhere for GNOME 4. And don't get me wrong, I was one of the first people back when GNOME Shell shipped with Fedora 15, and I was using it, and I loved it, and I thought it was great, and I thought the way the workflow was laid out was fantastic. And I've continued to be a GNOME proponent. And I've said since April, when this show went on the air and Canonical made their big announcement, that it was the right decision for Canonical to go back to a desktop environment that the other big players are using. But I have to ask the question to myself and to everyone out there that's listening. I have to ask the question, should that desktop be GNOME or should that desktop be something else? And I want to know, 1-855-450-NOAH, 855-450-6624, the email live at asknoahshow.com. I want to know, let me know, what do you guys think? What desktop should Canonical be using? Because in light of this information on GNOME, I have some serious concerns. And I, I, fu I fully believe that GNOME can be a great desktop environment. GNOME really, really nails the fundamentals to delivering a super straightforward, easy-to-use desktop experience. In fact, as harsh as I've been on Solus, and, and its budgie desktop is a great proof of concept for what GNOME 4 could be like if they split the panel, the compositor, the daemon, like they do in budgie. And, you know, get rid of the JavaScript in the shell. But again, open phones this hour, 855-450-NOAH. That's 855-450-6624. The email live at asknoahshow.com. Make your voice become part of the program. What do you think? What should Canonical do? I'm going to go to the phones here. Who do we have here? Kyle. Hey, Kyle. Welcome to the Ask Noah Show. Um, hi. I actually had a question. Sure. What's up? Um, so I installed Debian on my computer because before that I installed this thing called Deepin mm -hmm. to make, um, and it's great, but it's not good for like terminal and like actual computer stuff. It's mm. closer to Windows. And sure. Stuff sure. Like that. But when I did install Debian, I could not get it to be usable at all visually i could not get out of the 800 by 600 resolution mm. uh, it was just terrible and i was wondering if you had any thoughts like i wanted to kind of move away from ubuntu but i knew that i couldn't quite move far away so i thought i'd try a debian directly debian based one sure i was just wondering what your thoughts on that were yeah, sure. Well, let's. I guess, Kyle, let's walk through this one step at a time. I guess my first question is, uh, I have to ask, what's the uh, what's the drive to get away from Ubuntu? Um, just to kind of widen my views, 
I like Ubuntu. Um, I've used it for ever, ever, forever. Um, but I just kind of want to, I guess, not be so narrow about it. Mm-hmm. Like when I moved away from Windows, I learned a lot more because I only knew how Windows worked. Mm, sure. And I kind of want a more complete picture of how, like, the inner workings of my computer are. Yeah. Yeah, of course. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. So the ability to learn and and, and to keep yourself fresh and, and not kind of just get locked into the status quo then. Yeah. Yeah, okay. I think that makes perfect sense, Kyle. Uh, so I guess, okay, so let's uh, so let's go through. So uh so we wind up on Debian and we've got some we've got some some issues with the user interface and the and the usability of it. What kind of graphics card do you have? Is it integrated? Is it Nvidia? Is it uh, AMD? I'm pretty sure it's integrated. It was really weird. It said Radon. It's like AMD, whatever my processor is, yep. with Radon graphics. Mm, okay. I'm pretty sure it's onboard graphics. Uh, I and could. I tried doing some graphics card troubleshooting and stuff like that, but um, it's been finicky. I was just wondering if you had any like closer to Debian, but still a little bit different from mm. straight up from their website Debian. Sure. Well, I, I, I guess let's uh, let me go back and I want to talk about your graphics for a second. I'm guessing, and I'm not an AMD expert by by any stretch of the imagination. In fact, I don't even have an AMD graphics card in any of my machines at the moment. But I think, and I could be wrong about this, but I think that the AMD Radeon requires, uh, not requires, but uh, should have a uh, AMD specific driver, and that will fix your your display problem. So let's just let's just for the let's just for the sake of argument, let's just say that we're going to stick with Debian just for a moment. What would we do to get Debian to work? Well, the first thing is, and I'll have this detail for you in the show notes, is you can go to AMD site and download the ATI driver, and uh, and then essentially you go into a terminal and you run that that driver script, and it will install the. AMD driver. And there might be, I know in Ubuntu, there's a way to, to go into the additional drivers tab and install the ATI driver. There might be a way to do that in Debian. I'm going to look into that for you, Kyle. Uh, but let's say you, let's say you decide, yeah, you know what? There's, it's not just that it's, it's, it's the, the, the drivers weren't working right, but there's other problems too. And I just, I don't know. I it just not really feeling Debian. Just, I got a bad taste in my tongue. Now I don't want to move forward. What would I go to then? Kyle, I, I would really consider, I mean, I would really, uh, uh, urge you to consider uh we're going to talk about kde neon in in the rest of the episode and and uh, hopefully if you if you stick around you hear the rest of that episode maybe that will give you some some insight uh that would be suggestion one but here's suggestion two now it's not debian based it's not ubuntu based in fact it's not related to either but it would be arch or integros to be exact and the reason i suggest that is a lot of the people that i know that are looking to go from an Ubuntu base to a different distribution and want and want to learn more about their computer and uh, want to still have the, the same Linux familiarity of this is where configure files are and this is where this is and this is how that works. And I know a lot of people that have gone from Ubuntu or Debian to Arch or Entargos and have had no problems uh, fitting in, feeling right at home. It doesn't feel too foreign to them. Or obviously, it's a different distribution. You're going to have some different changes. But I don't think it's going to be that drastic, especially if you want to learn about the machine. You know, if you're doing actual Arch, just walk, just walking yourself through, even if you don't keep it, just walking yourself through an Arch install the first time, you'll learn more about your computer and how partitions are set up and drives are set up and uh, where things are located and what software you really need. I remember the first, it was a very daunting experience. One of the first times I installed Arch, I realized that the FAT32, uh, um, whatever you call it, uh, package that's required to read FAT32 memory cards wasn't installed by default. And just learning each one of those packages and what they do and what you need to accomplish different things, you run and realize, oh, that's not installed. I have to go find, well, what package does do I need to actually read FAT32 file systems on SD cards? Learn, teaching yourself stuff like that has has its own value. So that, that those I guess that'd be my two suggestions is hopefully, if nothing else, let me talk see if I can talk into KDE Neon. If I can't, then uh, I'd check out Arch. Either one of those sound like they're appealing to you? Yeah, um, that's a, that sounds great. I've just been, um, well, I have like a million distros on my computer, 
but mm-hmm. partitioning was so disorganized. Mm-hmm. CD was killing me. So I went through and deleted everything and redid it and made it nice. And I just wanted to kind of restart, and I wondered where I should start with that. Sure. Yeah, my, uh, 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 yeah, I guess after hearing everything that you're trying to do and hearing your specific situation, uh, my recommendation is going to stay the same. I'd say, I'd say listen to the rest of the episode and see if you aren't on board with KDE Neon. And if you're not, uh, then I would go give Arch a shot or Entargos if you want a version of Arch, but that has an installer walks you through, gives you a graphical environment. That's a really great place to start. Um, but uh, if I, I, I was I was talking to somebody just off off air right before we got on the air just about an hour ago. I was talking about maybe uh, paying people at our company to sit through an arch install uh, just to do it once on their machine because I think it's such a valuable experience. Again, open phones eight five five four five zero no. That's eight five five four five zero six six two four. The email live at asknoahshow dot com. We're taking your questions about everything, of course, as usual. But I also want to know uh, what you guys think about desktop environments, specifically as it relates to KDE. James is calling from Idaho. Hey, James, welcome to the Ask Noah Show. Uh, um, I'm interested in um, Nintendo 64 emulation, specifically the controllers, since there's a lot of them. What controllers work best with that emulator? I want like to play Goldeneye. Sure. Uh, I've got a couple different suggestions for you. The first is, the easiest is, uh, if you have, if you just run to Walmart or Best Buy, you can get a Xbox 360 controller. And uh, that USB Xbox 360 controller will just work right out of the gate with uh, all of with, with like Muppin 64 and N64 emulator on Linux. And uh, I, I've used it and it works really, really well. Now, if you want to go back and use an actual N64 controller, which is kind of fun for nostalgia's sake, even though they're, they're not really great from a controller standpoint, the er- ergonomics is not there and they have a little rubber band that controls the joystick, but... If you want to do that, there is a USB um, converter that turns any uh, N64 controller into a USB controller for Linux. Natively works in Linux. We'll have a link for that in the show notes as well. And what my son has gone to doing, because he plays a lot of uh, GoldenEye uh, on on his Linux laptop, he has gone to a uh, USB N64 controller. So it's an aftermarket N64 controller that looks like N64, laid out like N64, has the stupid little rubber bands like N64, but instead of a serial connection that goes into an X64 console, it just has a, a little USB plug on it. And that works really, really well. And yes, chat room, I agree, it is kind of funny that Microsoft hardware works so well on Linux. The phone line's 855-450-NOAH, 855-450-6624. The email, live at asknoahshow.com. Now, uh, I'm just, co- I'm just uh, checking here. We're going to jump over to our mumble room because I want to have a conversation with uh, one of our producers, uh, Mr. Michael Tanet. And actually, he's not here. So <laughs> we'll punt that for later in the show. <laughs> Open phones, 855-450-NOAH, 855-450-6624. The email live at asknoahshow.com, like I said, become a part of the program. So what have I done since I have realized that uh, there are some gaping problems on um, Gnome? What have I done? Well, I have gone to a different distro called KDE Neon. And that's what we talk, we're talking about at the beginning of the show. It's not really a distro, but uh, it has all the same components of a distro, so I'm calling it a distro. And I started playing around with it, again, like I said, because Chris originally kind of set the uh, set the pace, but the performance has been silky smooth. The customizability has been insane. The stability has been 100%. And I'm five days into this on four machines. I, I can tell... Pretty early on, I've kind of honed my ability to to know pretty quick if something's going to work or if something's not going to work. Um, and so far, it has been absolutely fantastic. Not not perfect. Plasma has not been perfect. Uh, I find the desktop layout to be pretty unintuitive. So, for example, one of the things I have, two of my systems have multiple monitors. And to set up a clone display, I was watching Chris do this, you have to drag one monitor on top of the other one, which is the most, un- I mean, if you know what you're doing, that's fine, I guess. But every other operating system known to man has a clone button. And uh, and so it's little stuff like that. Or like, for example, in the dialog boxes, and this isn't true on all of them. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. But I'll get a dialog box, and if I don't first click apply and then click OK, 
It doesn't actually save my changes. And so little stuff like that can be frustrating. I also was bit by the same uh, uh, same bug that uh, Alan Pope was talking about, uh, where he, he had a mouse issue where sometimes it would lose his tap-to-click being turned off, and then all of a sudden he would inadvertently click on stuff. I've ha- also had that issue happen. I've also had my mouse completely lock up. Um, but a couple of things on that. One is I suspect that the mouse issue locking up is a function of this actual particular uh, hardware that I was using, not the not KDE Neon itself. And I suspect that in my case, at least, my lo- the tap to click turning back on is a function of the hack together script I wrote to circumvent the problem that my mouse keeps locking up. Uh, but I really believe that I can deal with these problems. I can deal with a new learning environment. I can deal with some wonky setups. I can deal with some insane defaults. That That is okay to me because every spare moment I've had in the past couple of days I've spent playing with this system, getting to know it, customizing it, and has mentioned by basically everyone else I've talked to that has been also playing with KDE Neon, once you change something in Plasma, it sticks. And the ability to put little widgets on your desktop. So I have one here. One of the things I do is we have we stream uh, our audio stream, asnoshow.com. And one of the things that I like to do is we stream even when, when this show isn't on the air, then we run reruns of the show. So you can listen to the show anytime. And we're working on ways that we can get that tied into a mobile app so that you can listen to the show on your phone easier. Um, but for all that to work, we have to be hitting our streaming server that we have set up. And so I have two uh, widgets on my on my desktop, and one of them pings Google and just gives me a little green check mark when it can reach Google, and the other one pings that streaming server and tells me that that's up 24 hours and seven, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And the ability to have little stuff like that and just put it on my desktop, which is largely unused, is fantastic. The other thing, and I know half the audience is going to stop listening to the show after I say this, but it's the truth. I've gone back to desktop icons. I have, I, I, I'm, I'm sitting over here like a Windows XP user with icons all over my desktop. It looks ridiculous. But I tell you what, the whole purpose of a dock was to make all of the applications that we want to launch more accessible and ready for us. And I, I don't know why, I, I guess I don't know why we decided that we should just have a beautiful picture on our desktop and then not put anything else on there. But God, do I find that useful to have the widgets on one side where I've got all of my information. I have a clock. I have a, a Wi-Fi widget that I can easily toggle airplane mode because I travel so much. And then I have every application I use that I can just double click on and run. Or I can hit alt spacebar and type the name of the application like I would in, uh, you know, in, 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 in GNOME or Unity. Or I can hit the start or the whatever, the, the uh, super key and launch an application. So it's, it's just infinite flexibility. Is absolutely fantastic. K runner. Yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. K runner. Alt Alt F two. And actually, this seems like a great time to because I, 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 I hear him in the background there. Uh, Mr. Michael Tunnell is joining us, and I wanted to get your uh, take, and not just your take, but you actually have an announcement to make. Um, you got to clue me in on that. Oh. <laughs> okay. All right. <laughs> Sorry. Oh. The uh, the uh, five five twelve. Right. Right. Okay. The five the five twelve. Uh, the release was today. The check out the plasma video that I created for the KDE team. Um, Ooh. You know, is uh, as a fan of of plasma, I couldn't help but like try to get into like some, contribute some way. So when the opportunity was to to make the video for them, I you know I jumped on it. How fantastic! Where can people find that? Um, you can just go to tuxdigital.com and there's a link uh from there. But uh, if you if you want to go to um. That the easiest way to go directly to their official video is the uh, just go to just search KDE community on YouTube. Okay, and we'll have a link to that that exact video in the show notes too. I'm sure. Yeah. So, uh, so tell me. So here's the thing. I, I was I, I I played my small part. I did my uh, my boot tests. Uh, so I, I I have like a tiny little uh, a tiny little insight to this. Boot times are faster on five twelve. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I appreciate you doing that too as well. But it's, it's like- Oops. <laughs> the, the, sorry about that. The thirty percent increase is is so much is so nice. Uh, even if it doesn't seem like it's that much of a difference, like it, it, it is it is a drastic difference and is definitely noticeable. Noticeable enough to to test it. So it's very important. 
Yeah. So in your opinion, Michael, would you say that that am, am I wrong here in saying that this is like you I have gone from a desktop environment that had all of these compromises and challenges that I had to overcome. I install KDE Neon and like overnight, it's like, boom, all of a sudden all my problems are gone. All of the things that I struggle with Linux, like I'd say 99 percent of them are no longer issues. Yeah, exactly. Like the 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 best thing about the plasma is is when you tell it to do something, it does it and then continues to do it as long as you want it to. So like that that's that's one of the things that I love about it, just the fact that when I tell it I I want you to load a win window this specific location, a specific size and this desktop and this monitor and all this other stuff and it just continues to do it no matter how how long I've had the same install, it just doesn't change it doesn't break it just keeps the same thing so that reliability is fantastic yeah i'm a, I'm a big fan of it as well hey you want to take some calls with me on, on on plasma absolutely fantastic we'll go to bitmux am i pronouncing that right minnesota hey welcome to the program hey good evening uh yeah minnesota and uh, bitmux yep that's uh that's my mumble handle okay I had a couple of comments about the KDE uh, desktop. You know, I have been a long-time uh, GNOME user, and I've run that on everything since the beginning of ever, uh, GNOME and the uh, Mate desktop. And so I had installed an Interghost machine, and it was just easy enough that I decided to test out Plasma. And aside from about two hokey things I found um, in getting it set up, it has been just buttery smooth, just as you described. Mm. I am running a multi-monitor setup. And I discovered, and that is also with two GPUs. Mm -hmm. And I discovered if you take away the primary monitor, uh, you go into the display settings, you can mark one monitor as primary. Right. If you take that away um, and, say, plug it into another computer or something, it just slows some, some programs to a crawl. They appear to be assigned to that GPU. Mm -hmm. But if you select no primary monitor whatsoever... It works great. Interesting. So, there was a goofy uh, little setting I found in there. There's a couple oddities like that that I have run into. But the overall, I, I love eye candy. Um, yes. You know, it's a waste mm -hmm. of CPU resources and time, but it's pretty. So I go for actually, that. It's actually and really uh, KDE does that pretty well. Yeah. And it's it's been, I've never noticed an issue for having my uh, having my pretty graphics. So. Uh, just a couple of thoughts there for you. Yeah, no, I appreciate it. And I'll, I'll tell you something else, uh, Bitmux. If you're, uh, if if I don't know if you're in the Telegram group. If you're not, you should join telegram.asknoahshow.com or just reach out to me on, on email. Uh, uh, but 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 reach out to me somewhere and, and just let me know if you're ever uh, if you're ever available. I, if you're in Minnesota, if I, I and you know you're around the Twin Cities or somewhere around there, uh, I go through there all the time. We've got clients in the Twin Cities. We've got clients through the Twin Cities into all the way into Wisconsin, um, and I make that trip probably once a month. So I'd love to buy dinner sometime if I'm coming through and we can talk about Plasma and Linux and all that great stuff. Eight five five four five zero Noah. That's one eight five five four five zero six six two four. The email live at asknoahshow.com. Make your voice heard. Become a part of the program. Chaz is calling us from New York. Hey, Chaz, welcome to the Ask Noah Show. Hey, Noah. How's it going tonight? Hey, pretty good. How are you doing? Pretty good. So, as you and longtime listeners of the Ask, show, uh, uh, bleh, Ask Noah Show know, I'm from New York, but I'm not that from that part of New York. I'm right. from the part of New York that gave us Kodak. Yes, the, well, and, and the gun-loving part of New York. Yes, that part too. <laughs> Yeah. Um, but uh, so my question for you was what's your take on the uh, Kodak coin cryptocurrency what do you think Kodak's motivations were for it do you think that it's going to you know revitalize Kodak and should we see do you think we'll see more private companies introducing their own cryptocurrency uh, as time goes on like they did yeah, I, you know the whole Kodak one thing, Kodak coin. I any any the the whole to me anyway is personal opinion, but to me the whole idea of cryptocurrency in general is to get away from centralization, right? Get away from corporation and corporate interests, get away from government interests. And so when I see any organization that wants to jump into that that space I, I i guess i immediately approach it kind of apprehensively to begin with but then then you start looking at kodak what in the world is a what in the world is a, a company that is known for photography you know filmmaking film stuff what, what are they what are they doing in a, in a cryptocurrency what, what 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 is the motivation there 
that was the same question I had when it yeah. was announced. You know, that it seems like Kodak's been late to the game with everything in terms of digital cameras, smartphones, oh, yeah. uh, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But their stock price did triple the second they announced it. So, yeah, you know, well, I, I should know, yeah, blockchain. people. I could, yeah, could go shed ahead, some light on this. Yeah, go. So essentially, essentially, if you think about what companies are looking with their crypto, with their own cryptocurrencies, is create this form of public offering without being public and within their control, essentially. Yeah. You get these coins that are tokens of ownership of the company or of some possession that then can be exchanged. Yeah. These generates the money and also it's not regulated, so there's no insider trade and protection. You're, you're, describing, like you're describing Chuck E. Cheese tokens for my kids where I put $20 <laughs> into the machine and then I leave with 15 of them because I don't, I can't, I can't, you know, I can't spend them anywhere. I, I don't know. That, that is basically um, what it is, but also advocates, advocates for bit, her, cryptocurrencies are saying that that's a good thing because it, it, not, it, it pulls a, de, 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 it's, it's even more decentralized in that case so that the more companies that do it and the more currencies that are created there's there's more there's exposure. decentralized and then there's destandardized if we get to a point like I get what you're saying, but like if we get to a point where we've got, you know, 5,000 different cryptocurrencies, yeah, maybe it's decentralized, but I also can't spend any one of those 5,000 cryptocurrencies anywhere because it's... No, it's I, I, guess I mean, they started with the uh, cryptocurrency thing. Also, when companies change their name to have a uh, blockchain in it, their value goes through the roof, and this sort of might go coincide with that going into the fad of cryptocurrency. It may not be a long-term thing, sort of like how you say that Bitcoin may not be the uh, long-term cryptocurrency to look out for. Right. I, I just don't well, think. And and let, let me. Go, I just want to go back to what JJ was saying too. So a couple of things. One, and I'm not liberty to, to say who, but a a large banking um, organization approached us, and they are looking at consulting with us uh, to switching to a blockchain uh, for. A thing that they're doing and um, part of that is because the blockchain has developed such an industry standard around it and, and a reputation around it but jj did you have some other comment too in addition to that that you're going to get to before we kind of got lost in the cryptocurrency thing uh not really i mean i could do something about the uh, desktop environment my say on that yeah shoot go for it so uh me personally i'm a follower of the Mate, Mate desktop. Uh, I find it as a very good uh, desktop environment for those who don't want uh, too much to, uh, too much uh, on their plate and mm -hmm. it's uh, very good very good maintained and I would say I say this as a um, I did experiment with uh, Linux in the past with XFCE and LXD and I really do like um, Mate for its um, uh, efficiency I would say. Yeah, sure. No, that makes sense. Uh, and you know, Mate was something I considered, and obviously, and actually, it's funny. It's funny that you bring that up because Chaz, you that that's right where you were sitting too with 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 Distro. You because you were you were putting your uh, was it your um, gosh, I forget. Was it your mother or your parents? Oh, oh I hit the, I'm sorry, I hit the wrong button. Um, oh, my mom's on Mate, um, uh, and I'm going to upgrade her obviously to 1804 when it comes out. Um, same thing's going to happen with my dad. Um, he has an old XP machine that, uh, I put mint on back in the day and it's, uh, going to be due for an upgrade. I'm actually, uh, back on the budgie train. Okay. Um, I yeah. I figured out how to, yes. uh, I figured out how to accomplish everything. Uh, there was one program, uh, that was specific to my cell provider that was available on Ubuntu and Debian based and nowhere else. Yep. Um, I'm actually switching the thing in the coming, uh, in the coming days. Oh, congratulations. I like that the whole, yeah, I like that whole $16 a month blog post they did. Yeah. So I'm going back to Google Voice, back to Ting, um, and obviously I won't be using uh, Republic Wireless as my texting client anymore, which mm -hmm. means I don't have a reason to stay on Debian to get uh, their non-SNAP package. Gotcha. As I've made clear to them, I'm unhappy about multiple times. Yeah. So I'm just uh, hopping on Solus for a while and, uh, Doing snaps there and uh, testing out other stuff and seeing how that goes. Yeah, man. I, I, I mean, I have to tell you, I when I was looking at uh, when I was looking at all these different desktops, particularly when I started doing research into GNOME, it's amazing how great um, 
Budgie really is and how much it really exemplifies how great Gnome could be if they change just a couple of things around. I, I, I'm, if you, man, you made a right, you made a good call by sticking with, uh, with Budgie. If you can make that work, if that works for your workflow, I think that's a great place to be. Again, phone lines 1 855 450 Noah, 855 450 The email live at Uh James, Idaho, welcome back to the program. Hey James, before we go any further, can I uh, can I trouble you to kill your um, can I trouble you to kill your the stream in the background there? I can hear myself coming back. Oh yeah. Um yeah, it's it's off. Anyhow, I was just letting you know, call back in to let you know uh, I had similar problems and went away from GNOME Shell because it was kind of the only way to describe crash it when you push it. The yeah. reason I didn't go with the KDE was I got lost really bad, so I went to uh, Cinnamon, which has some of the eye candy, but yep. less me having to have someone go help me where it's mm-hmm. at. Otherwise, I'd be on KDE um, if I was able to figure it out enough with all the sub-sub-menus when you're sitting there going, um, where is what that at when I change the yeah. Yeah, the, the, um, the, almost needs to come with a book. Yeah, it it does, or a good friend that really knows his way around KDE, which is kind of where I have. I've got two good friends. In fact, one of them is joining me here. We got Michael from uh, Michael from Tux Digital with us, as well as you know Chris, owner and operator of Jupiter Broadcasting. He, you know, both of those guys are pretty experienced on on KDE. But what what I have found, James, is that if you just Google. Uh, Google is your friend, and it's it, it, the it, the defaults aren't so insane that it's not usable which I do believe to be the case with GNOME. I don't think GNOME out of the box is usable as a desktop environment. And part of that is I'm a big believer that technology should conform to the user. The user should not have to conform to the technology. And it's one of the many reasons I could never be a Mac user. Because if I say I want something to work like X, and your answer to me is, well, Apple wants you to do it like Y, but if you do it like Y, then you'll really like it because that way is actually better. We don't. The conversation doesn't even start. Like I, I don't even want to. I, I can't even start a conversation if if we're starting from that premise. But I have yet to find something I can't tweak the way I want it in KDE. Almost like you said, to the point of getting lost. And to add icing to the cake, Plasma is pretty much ready to go for Wayland. And so this is my first install, uh, where I'm primarily using Snaps for my software. And I would say. I am about 50-50 because on one hand, the installation is super smooth and everything works and I don't have to hunt for PPAs. On the downside, there's a bunch of little tiny things that aren't quite working right. And I actually, I got rid of some of the snaps and went to the PPA and installed the application just to see if this was a snap specific thing. But I'll give you an example. So notification sounds in Telegram don't work. In fact, playing audio period does not work inside of the Telegram snap. With Slack, the icon doesn't appear up at the bottom, so I can't see if I've missed messages or I can't even tell if Slack is running. And the most important thing is I can't kill Slack, so I have to I have to drop to a terminal, grep for the process, and then kill it. Both of those problems are not KDE-specific because I can, uh, if I install it from the PPA, that those problems go away. And I was finally able to get Discord up and running because previously I was on Arch and I was never able to get the install to work either from the Snap or from the AUR. Uh, so five days, I don't know what to say, guys. I'm ready to go on the record and say, I think that today, as of today, and this might, you know, this might change, uh, we'll keep coming back. We'll keep doing meticulous research and, and presenting it in, in just a one hour radio program to you. But today, February 6th, 2018, GNOME is a really great desktop with a lot of potential, but plasma as tested on KDE neon specifically is almost perfect. And I feel like. For the first time in in probably, I don't know, five years, I'm finally back on a desktop computer instead of some weird mix between a tablet and a touchscreen thing. And there are problems. I'm not saying there aren't problems. I'm not saying it's absolutely perfect. But there were so many things that I just started to ignore. And I'll give you another example. On my laptop, I had this script that every time my laptop would start up, I had to run the script because they changed the input thing and there was no way to disable tap to click from the thing because it didn't use the correct synaptics thing and there was the utility wasn't there. The utility was there, but it didn't work with the new driver that was there. And so I eventually had this script that I had to run to disable tap to click. And it uh, works flawlessly in Neon. So... I. Uh, I, I I mean, I guess to, to make sure we're all exactly on the same page, 
uh, I, I want to talk a little bit about why this is so important, why this is a discussion that we need to have, and why I'm dedicating an entire episode just to tell you that I switched my, my Linux distro because I think it has larger effects. I'm going to do that right after we get to the phones, 855-450-NOAH, 855-450-6624, the email, live at asknoahshow.com. Joe is calling from Philadelphia. Hey, Joe, welcome to the Ask Noah Show. Hey, thanks for having me. Hey, um, being here. I'm a huge, huge uh, Plasma fan. And uh, listen, I'll be honest. I, I I literally had tried to do research on why GNOME would be GNOME, like be someone's favorite yeah. desktop environment. I haven't had any great, great answers why. Um, and now it seems like some of the big outlets are coming around to uh, rediscovering plasma. Yes. And I'm making you super happy because I always felt like it was a little superior. But um, my thing is, now that it's coming to um, the surface and it's getting a lot of coverage now, um, do you think KDE Plasma can overtake GNOME in terms of uh, being the go-to Linux desktop? It seems like GNOME has a as, as Mike once put it, like a lot of momentum, historical like legacy momentum behind it that's made it like a, the go-to desktop. But can you do you think this is the, um, uh, the the crack that might you know bring that change that for Linux desktop environments of choice for big names and companies? That's the million-dollar question, isn't it? I, I mean, as I sit here today. I, you know, and the, the thing is, I have never, I, I'm not saying I'm a perfect human being. I'm not saying I never make mistakes. I'm not saying I'm never misguided. I'm not saying I never operate on incorrect information, but I have, I can, I can say with, with, with absolute certainty, I have never sat behind a microphone and gave somebody advice or told somebody to do something that I wouldn't personally do or that I didn't personally believe. And sitting here right now, I don't, if I was in charge of Canonical, if I was in charge of Red Hat, if I was in charge of, of, of a project and I had to pick a desktop distribution or if I had to pick a, um, a desktop environment that I was going to use in my distribution, man, I'd have in light of what I know today about the underpinnings of GNOME and the uh, eventuality of problems that we are going to have to solve. And there is only one of two ways we solve this GNOME problem. One, we either never go to Wayland because, and just tolerate the fact that the crash is not bad. In, it's not super, super bad. It's livable. It's bad, but it's it's tolerable. Or we rewrite the entire shell from the ground up and break everyone's extensions, which we have been telling people for years was the proper way to introduce the functionality that you need to make the desktop work in that, in that reality, I have a hard time making an argument of, of GNOME over, over KDE. And you start listening to people that try it. And I mean, I would say that your high horse is well justified, sir. If you were the guy that was that was sitting there going, you guys are missing out on an experience and I don't have the problems that you have and I'm sitting on KDE Plasma, you were right. Michael was right. Uh, Simon Quigley, our, one of our producers, he was right. Th those guys have been saying for years, uh, GNOME is really not the desktop that you should be on. You should really give KDE Plasma a shot. Those guys were right. I was wrong. Real quick, um, a follow-up to that, cause, and it's somewhat of a, a not off-top, but related, is that, you know, we know Purism OS, Purism guys are coming out with their phone, and they're saying they're supporting GNOME. When you see Plasma doing their thing with Plasma Mobile, um, could, could this also be an opening where, you know, Plasma Mobile uh, gets a head start on the, uh, the, the OS of choice for Linux on mobile? Because GNOME... Gnome can't even get their desktop right. I can't imagine them trying to caring enough about mobile. Um, could this be opportunity for, dare I say, the, the other C word, convergence? And uh, can you see a yeah. resurgence of convergence as a result of these low-hanging fruit from Plasma Mobile? Maybe, but this time around, it absolutely has to take a second seat to the desktop. And I'm and I thank you for the call. I'm going to use it to to segue into to another point. I want to have the hold on a second because I have the article right here. Uh, here we go. November 2011, ZDNet.com. Headline, I hate Unity, I hate GNOME, I hate Windows 8. I'm not exactly sure how Canonical can defend Unity, although I've seen them try. And I'm not sure how anyone can... This is where I have to can use it. It takes me a minute to find my terminal every single time I try to find it. Additionally, I add it to that goofy hanging thing on the left-hand side of my screen... I can't efficiently find anything using it. I uninstalled it, and I installed GNOME in its place. Imagine my shock when I looked at GNOME 3 for the first time and went into a fit of cussing and throwing things that made me look like a spoiled toddler. 
Now, I, I take that snippet out of that out of that news article to make to, to expand on Joe's point. Um, so, first of all, uh, I, I mean, let me let me just call out some of the obvious things. Right? It's called a dock, not a thing in the left hand side. And Canonical was not the first person to use a dock. And there are plenty of people that have gone and implemented docks since then. So that guy is just, I mean, he's making up problems to a certain degree. And second of all, uh, this is one guy's opinion. Unity and GNOME have both gotten drastically better since they were first introduced. And I'm very proud to say that I still think Unity is one of the best desktop environments I've ever used. And its multi-monitor support still trumps even that of KDE. But that's my opinion. That's I'm stating opinion there. But objectively, there was a metric ton of pushback when Canonical first rolled out Unity as their default desktop. And there was a ton of pushback on GNOME when they made their sweeping changes. And so the timing of this was particularly terrible back in 2011 because this was when Microsoft was announcing the and rolling out the hot mess that was Windows 8. And they had people kicking and screaming and looking for an alternative. And so I respectfully submit to you that this was not the, the best time to reboot Ubuntu. And then you fast forward a couple of years and Windows 8 continues to suck. And Apple flops by releasing this no frills laptop that wasn't really improved and had 16 gigabytes of memory soldered onto the, 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 you know, the, the system board. And then they expected developers who want to run a bunch of VMs to buy it. That left a bunch of people just railing to jump off of Mac OS. And Microsoft was still hemorrhaging users because the best they had was Windows 10, which is just marginally better than Windows 8, which was a hot mess, as they weren't making any huge improvements to the desktop. And then we look over to the Linux world, and we have phones, and we have TVs, and we have whatever else. And this, and I'm, not, I'm not picking on Canonical specifically here. This was roughly the time that Red Hat, the first time anyway, was the time that Red Hat had taken Fedora to GNOME 3 because their main moneymaker is the servers. And really for them, the desktop environment is just a, a you know, a, a way to ease the transition from a graphical administration to a CLI administration. And, you know, you have SUS being SUS. But my, my point is that nobody was really saying this is our opportunity to seize desktop users. And then the second time around, nobody stopped to say, hey, this is our opportunity to seize desktop users. So 2018, here we are again. Windows 10 hasn't gotten much better. Apple has released their, uh, the, um, what do you call it, iPad Pro, because they're still at a sub 10% market share on the desktop. And that market share is, in fact, shrinking in favor of phones and tablets, which Apple has historically done very well on. And so 2018, the LTS is approaching in just a couple of months, and here we are again, and I'm not saying it's anyone in specific's fault, but the more market forces are ready, oozing desktop users that are looking for a solid landing space, and we as a Linux community, we have to be ready. We cannot get this wrong another time. We cannot put a bunch of people on an LTS that has a desktop environment that is going to crash on them and lose all of their stuff. And right now that's not an issue because we haven't actually gone to Wayland. They're going to ship with Xorg. But at some point, we're going to move to Wayland. And if we break all their extensions in the, in the process, that's not a real great solution either. So we have to be ready. And as the owner of an IT company who is the primary contact for a lot of these businesses that are using Linux on the desktop, I literally, right, right before this program, running up, in fact, so close that I wasn't even sure if I was going to have a chance to talk to Chris about the handoff before we transitioned into Ask Noah. I was on a conference call speaking to a client exactly about this, transitioning him from a Windows system over to a Linux system, how we're going to do that and how we're going to make all of that work. I cannot call that guy in three years and say, really sorry, but all of the way we set up your computer, none of that's going to work anymore because of this, this upcoming change. So I have to ask the question. Joe from Philadelphia asked the question. I'm asking his question too. At the 11th hour, it is February. It is, fe it, is, it is February right now. We have just under a month. We are at the 11th hour. Would KDE Plasma be a better choice for the default desktop in the LTS? I have to ask. Joe asked. I'm asking the same question. Would that be a better de desktop choice? I don't know. But based on my experience here on, on four different machines running for five days, yes. Yes, Plasma is a more solid choice. I, I, I'm, I'm, and Joe, I'm, I'll bring it back up. I, 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 hopefully that didn't take you too far, didn't take your call too far off point, but I just, you're asking the question that ev undoubtedly everybody else that's listening to this program is asking, and I think it's an important question to be asked. Would KDE be a better choice? 
Anyway, I think. Oh, good. I think so. Yeah, me too. And and I and I thank you for the call, Joe. I, and I I didn't mean to put you back on the spot there, but I, I you know so that's that's what I want the the conversation to be. And if you haven't, you know, take it. Take a minute to try KDE Neon. Just give it a shot. If you're, especially if you're in that that if you're in that boat where you're like, I'm not real happy with Linux or Linux on the desktop isn't working for me. Give KDE Neon a shot. I'm, I mean, it. I've been using Linux as I've been using Linux on the desktop since for you know I don't know, 16 years, 17 years, and I've used Linux exclusively on my desktop for the past 10 at least. Uh, and and this is mind blowing to me. So. I, that's kind of where we're at. And I mean, like I said, as the Ask Noah show continues, we're going to continue to follow this. We're going to continue to track this trend. We're going to provide you every week with perfectly executed analysis on what is happening in, in, in the KDE world with GNOME. We'll track that development. We'll stay in contact with the powers that be, the people that are making these decisions, and, uh, and find out what's going to happen. And, I, and I'm not necessarily saying that GNOME is the, is the wrong choice. You can't make that work. I think if you put enough effort into GNOME, I think it can be a it, it can be a better desktop even than Plasma. I'll even go that far. Um, but right now I'm worried, and so I hope that there are people that um, I know there are people that are smarter than me. I hope those people have considered all of this and uh, and are taking that into an account because from where I'm standing, from what I see in industry, we don't we cannot miss this boat a third time. I don't know that we're going to have a fourth. Microsoft is changing the way that they approach. Uh, software. I mean, big time. They're open sourcing things right and left. They're making their their stuff run on Linux. Things are changing. And the, it, the Microsoft that we have today, the Microsoft that we're competing against today is not the same Microsoft that we competed against uh, 10 years ago or five years ago even. It's a different animal. And we need to be ready to deal with that. All right. I want to do an update on our Linux elimination challenge. Uh, this has been really fun. I I you guys are flooring me with these results, and we're going to report them just as they come out. But um, last week, we pitted pop underscore OS against Ubuntu Mate. And I am shocked to come on the air and tell you that pop OS won by a staggering 282 votes, 75%. And Ubuntu Mate coming in very much second place at 92 votes, 24.6%. I would, I would, I, I'll be honest with you. That kind of surprised me. I would have really thought Ubuntu Mate would have had a uh, had a uh, had a larger following, get, particularly given that it has been around longer. Uh, and I would think that there would just be more users on there. But you know, this is why we're doing this because I I don't necessarily believe some of the sites that are out there that uh, that tell you this is a this is what the popular distro is, and this is what the non popular distro is. I don't necessarily believe those. And so I want to do it for myself. I want to find out. So uh, that's so. Anyway, you can vote asknoahshow.com slash elimination. Uh, this week we are doing KDE Neon, obviously, uh, versus Linux Mint. So Linux Mint, if you go to DistroWatch, uh, a lot of these places will tell you that Linux Mint is the place to is is the chosen go to distro for a lot of people that are new to Linux. And uh, I question that a little bit. But that's what they say, and so we're going to find out. So asknoahshow.com slash illumination. That will be available as soon as this show is posted. Hey, by the way, did you guys know that this show is available as a downloadable podcast? To subscribe to the feed or download the latest episode, visit us online, podcast.asknoahshow.com. While you're there on the Ask Noah dashboard, help us improve the show. If you have an idea how to make this show better, we would love to hear from you. Head over to asknoahshow.com slash better and let us know how we can make this show better. Join the ongoing discussion in the Telegram group, telegram.asknoahshow.com. You can get all the latest information, of course, by following us on Twitter. Our handle on Twitter, at AskNoahShow, and of course on Facebook, facebook.com slash AskNoahShow. Uh, do we have anything else? Any other announcements? I don't think so. I, I, I'd really love to hear feedback. If you guys would write into the show and let me know what you think of KDE Neon. Uh, I'd also like to hear if there's anyone out there that's saying, yeah, I really think that... Um, that even if not this time around, maybe we don't hit this LTS, but the next one uh, should Canonical consider KDE Plasma as the default desktop environment uh, going forward. I'd be interested to hear that. Uh, I, I using it, I have nothing bad to say about it. I feel like I have a whole new computing experience here, and I, I'm gonna I'm gonna make sure to uh, to follow up. Maybe we'll even do a video on it. 
The Ask Noah Show continues next Tuesday at 6 p.m. Central. A huge thanks to Vox Delsis for providing our phone systems, Ben, our producer, Sarah, our call screener, and Rakai, our video editor. We'll hand you off to the Harm Reduction Report. Coming up next with Will Beaton on the all-new Independent Talk, KEQQ88.3, LPFM, Grand Forks.